worship this morning. Thank you, Lord.
Yeah. 
Let's just lift our voices and let's worship him. Hallelujah. 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 Andele masona la mandora ni ni maralana ni mayantona no no mondondoro yeah hallelujah hallelujah yeah hallelujah hallelujah yeah pakasele de bichia eso polo doshe kade de bala pragadansa kade veste and so there's a Samalin Crescebo London de Levehin Cretisti, Idicare Balahangris, Etonomos, Edidivinci Torobondo, Evoluturike Incladiparolo, Uncara Desolamare Escar Paradiasai. There's a Sanamander Opol in Caradisai. For let a plus of Rascatale Meridigine me. But now is a kind of Teberoloste. It's a candere pain, a tondere pesalaveado. Don't terentiman and teberolo doshe, baba priasana televeriasai. And the conge is a pragase, is a bolodusho, a canadese, a sonomonda, a crepatenkishi. Veliantu do boshe, if lundust repetina. Repetina samatika decodosa catinimece. <laughs> oh, rebinidi alegreno elemruso socompe aceti kerishti. For the times, the times are one of distress, the times are one of sifting. The times are one of purifying, purifying the church. Tumultuous times, shaking times, but they are also the times of cho choice. Choose you this day who you will serve. Choose you this day how you will walk. Choose you this day what you will say. Open your eyes and see. See what is coming. See what is here. See the distractions of this world sent unto you to shake you. 
to distract you, to move you. Choose the word of God. Choose to walk in the spirit. Choose to walk in love. Choose to walk in unity. Choose to walk in boldness. Choose to walk in power. Ha <laughs> Oh, for time is short. <laughs> Do not fear, but lift up your head and rejoice and be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship the name of Jesus. Jesus, be the center of our lives. Jesus, be the center of your church. Jesus, be the center of this church. For truly, our hearts, we humble before you and walk with you. Laying aside all that would distract, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are unmoved. Steadfast. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. Thank you for quickening our hearts. Thank you for ministering to each person in this church. And unto their families, we pray. We thank you, Lord, that you are softening the hearts of those in our families, of those of our acquaintances and our co-workers, oh Lord, those that we know, those that we come in contact with, Father, that the reign of God would fall on their hearts and soften them. Give us openings to tell them about Jesus. Give us openings to minister unto them. Hallelujah. So that when we see your face, Lord Jesus, we will be able to say, we did all we could do. We obeyed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for pre your presence in our lives and in our midst. That you never leave us or forsake us. Thank you for your strength and for your presence and for your glory. Hallelujah. We worship you. Why don't you re-sing that just, uh, Jesus be the center of your church, that part, and whatever else. Jesus be the center of your church. Jesus be Church. And every knee will bow. 
Yes, it is. Hallelujah. Lord, we rejoice. We lift up our voices. We lift up our lives. We lift up our hands and we rejoice in you. We bless your name. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, thank God for his presence in his, this place today. Amen. We bring it with us wherever we go. We bring him with us wherever we go. Amen. Glory to God. Whoo. Hallelujah. Well, why don't you uh, shake hands with a few people around you. If you don't know them, find out their name. Give them a warm welcome and God bless you. We're going to dismiss the children and the junior hires to their class at this time. And there's someone waiting at the back door for you kids. Miss Katie. Hallelujah. We're so glad for those of you who are worshiping with us via YouTube and Facebook today. Hallelujah. We know God's going to minister to you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Powerful time of worship today. Wonderful songs. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we just a few things we want to remind you about. Who wants to do announcements right now, right? <laughs> you want to trade places? <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, for those of you in the 55-plus category, uh, this morning after church, uh, they're going to meet at Wahoo's Fish Tacos. I think it's just um, down Lake Forest, and you turn left. It's just real close, and uh, they're going to have a great time of food and fellowship there. And then this Thursday at 9.30, we have our young mom's breakfast. And so if you're a young mom, or if you're a mom with young children, whether you think you're young or not, it's for you, and uh, we meet at the church, and we are have a wonderful, we have a great breakfast, and then we have a time of uh, talking and sharing, and uh, we're also studying, uh, doing the book study on the book, Who Stole Cinderella by Denise Renner, so it's always a great time. We welcome you. This uh, Sunday on Sunday Eve, not this Sunday, but this month, Sunday evening, uh, September 25 at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a, a night of worship. And um, so it, it's a, also a special time on the Jewish calendar. It's Feast of the Trumpets. And you remember Pastor Mike uh, taught on that a few weeks ago. And if you didn't hear that, you need to listen to that message. And so we thought it would be very appropriate for us to uh, be together as a church worshiping. Uh, it's always good no matter what, but especially during that period of time that is so uh, strategic, not only on the Jewish calendar, but on the timeline in which we are living in these days. So be sure to join us uh, that evening at 6 o'clock. And then also, just uh, don't forget, we have a ladies' Bible study coming up and also the men's ministry next week. And so uh, don't forget that. And Pastor Mike is going to come at this time. Hallelujah. We've got some folks that have been with us for 20-plus years, and uh, they're moving to Texas their kids have moved to Texas, and, and uh, uh, one of them, Blaze, has 
started a church down there. And so Kyle went with him or joined up with him to help in the church, and he found himself a wife down there. So for Dan and, and Lindy's family to grow is going to be in Texas. So they're going to go down there to be with them. And we just wanted to say how much we appreciate them. We hate to see them go. They've been such a big help in our church. But we certainly understand it. If we were in the same situation as them, we might do the same thing. So we love you guys, and we'd like to pray for you, if that's all right. Come on up here, please. <laughs> Amen. Stretch your hands out this way toward them. Father, in Jesus' name, we lay hands on these people. What a blessing they've been to our church and our lives. And we thank you, Father, for the truth of the word of God you planted in their hearts. We thank you that they're going in your blessing. We add our blessing to yours, Father. And we thank you for ordering their steps and making the way clear for them in whatever you have for them to do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Love you, guys. Love you, Amen. Well, we want to give you an opportunity to give this morning. It's good to be able to give. Amen. Amen. The ushers are in the aisles, and they have offering envelopes in their hands if you need it. So if, uh, if you do need an offering envelope, just lift your hands, and these gentlemen will serve you. You can also give electronically, and the instructions are up on the screen, I believe, to show you how to do that. I want to encourage you and remind you of something, and that is with all the foolishness and trouble and distress and things that are going on in the world around us, it doesn't change God's laws of giving. The word is still the same. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour a blessing out upon you that there's not room enough to receive. Also, Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. When the devil puts pressure on our finances, he's trying to keep us from acting on the word. But the word of God is true, and it doesn't change because of governmental policies. It doesn't change for anything. So we want to encourage you to be a tither and a giver in these last days. If you need more money, give more money. God will see you through. We're going to see some miraculous things concerning provision in these last days, folks. God's going to see his people through and provide for them and take care of them no matter what. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to tithe and to give. We thank you, Father, that according to your word, all of our needs are met according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And, Father, we thank you for miraculous provision in these last days. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, when you've been given the opportunity to give, would you just join us for this one last song?
Father, we bless your holy name. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. We thank you for making good on every promise that your word of God has given. We thank you, Father, for utterance and direction in the Holy Ghost. We thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding. We pray that we would have listening ears in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start this morning in Isaiah chapter 26. We're living in a world that's upside down. There are so many things, areas in the world that we live in today that are so ungodly and haywire. We've got churches that in their attempt to support diversities and alternate lifestyles, turning their services over for drag shows. Folks, we live in a crazy place. Paul said there were perilous times coming, and I believe we found those. I believe we've entered into them. And of all the things that are going on, there's so many things to be concerned about. But if we allow ourselves to go too far into being concerned about what's going on in the world, It'll rob us of peace. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Thank God for perfect peace. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Notice the operation of the mind has everything to do with the peace that you're going to experience. We're accustomed to putting emphasis on the spirit of man. And the Bible tells us that God made man in his own image. God is a spirit, so therefore, by definition, man would have to be a spirit being. And we know that the Bible tells us that man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 12. In 1979, I think it was, Brother Hagen had a, a crusade in Nashville, Tennessee. And my brother and I and my father went from Birmingham, Alabama and drove up to Nashville to take part in those meetings, to attend those meetings. And Brother Hagen was making a statement. He was talking a little bit about spirit, soul, and body, the three-part of man, three-part makeup of man. And he quoted certain scriptures. For example, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And then he got to Romans chapter 12. In verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed by, to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When Brother Hagin read that scripture, he made some comments. One of the comments that he made was that it's, a, it's an interesting and mostly unknown fact that the new birth, as important as it is, seems to have no effect on the body of man or his soul. And he defined the soul as the mind, the will, and the emotions. Of well, folks, if you think about that, that has to be true. If Paul is telling us to do something about our bodies, to bring it into subjection to the word, then it means that it hasn't been done. And it wasn't done by the new birth experience that any of us entered into. It goes on to say in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind isn't renewed by the new birth. The greatest need of every Christian is to present their bodies as a living sacrifice and to renew their mind. One of the greatest things that God has done for man is that he caused our lives here in this earth are recreated spirit men he identifies that the mind is a part of faith again in Isaiah chapter 26 that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee the renewing of the mind has everything to do with walking in faith and God made man to think in pictures. If I say the word house, you immediately think of and see a, 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 a photograph, a mental image of the house that you live in. If I ask you how to get to your house, you see yourself driving to get to where you live. We don't think in terms of words If I ask the question, where is your house, you don't see the, the sentence in letters unless you think about thinking about seeing the sentence. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice the warfare, the weapons of our warfare that pull down strongholds has to do with capturing 
imaginations and thoughts that come to your mind. Casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. In other words, you've got to take control of the mental pictures that are in your head. So he says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That means it's a spiritual battle, not a fleshly one. But what is that spiritual battle? Well, he tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It identifies the results of putting our spiritual weapons to work. It will bring us the results. And that those results that are identified as removing or breaking the strongholds that hold us back from receiving the things of God. Now, where are those strongholds? Well, notice he talks about the work to be done in this spiritual warfare, this spiritual battle that we're in, having to do with the mind, casting down imaginations, casting down imaginations, casting down imaginations, mental pictures. About 20 years ago, there was a lot of um, emphasis by certain ministers for praying to remove strongholds. At least that's what they said that it was going to do. And there were thousands of people that were assembled in coliseums and other assembly places. And they would pray. One of the things they would pray about is they would pray that the spirit of murder would be broken over the cities, the major cities of our country. And looking back at the results, the murder rates didn't go down in any of the places they prayed for. One of the reasons, one of the difficulties with the things that were being done in those times is a misidentification of what the strongholds are and where they are. People were praying that the work of the devil would be stopped. But the Bible doesn't talk about strongholds being out in the world. The Bible talks about the strongholds that are in your head. There were things that were promoted during that period of time. And it only lasted for four or five years, I guess. But people would assemble in high-rise buildings. And the purpose for that, they said, was to get above the things that were taking place here on the earth, down at ground level, I guess. Well, if that was what was going to do the job, why wouldn't we just take planes up in the air? But again, the strongholds, the wicked spirits in the heavenlies and the things that the Bible is talking about, those are not the strongholds of the devil. 
The strongholds are the world's way of thinking that infected us before we ever got saved. And the ignorance of most of the body of Christ about the importance of renewing the mind, changing the mental picture. Casting down imaginations. Now notice the next thing. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There are high things that the devil wants you to think. In other words, it's talking about giving your attention to something or anything other than the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. A part of the results of life and health that the Word of God is designed and empowered to produce in your life and in your body has to do with what you see. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Let them not depart from before your eyes. That means see yourself with the answer. See yourself with the answer. You remember in Second um, Samuel chapter 30, I believe it is, it tells a story about how David was engaged in guerrilla warfare against the Philistines and the Amalekites. Even though he had been anointed by Samuel the prophet to be the next king, the true king of Israel, he, wouldn't, he David, wouldn't do anything to try to get his place as king. He spared Saul's life on several occasions even though he knew that God had changed from being on Saul's side to installing David as king of Israel and he was out engaged in one of these guerrilla tactics and they came back to their headquarters the town that they were operating from and the Amalekites had come in and destroyed the town and taken all the people, wives and children and families and so forth, and taken them away. And the Bible tells about how there was great grief that was taking place among all the people. He had a 600-man army at that time. And it tells us that they all wept for grief until they had no more power to, to, to weep. It was a devastating blow to David and his, his mighty men. And it says that David was also grieved because they spake of stoning him. but he encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, what does it mean when it says he encouraged himself in the Lord? It means he changed from looking at what was going on, the circumstances going on around him, and began to look at the promises of God, remind himself 
of the things that God had told him and the things that he had prepared for him. Now, when he was in a, ch a changed, different mindset, he started praying about, do I go after these people? Do I go after the, the Amalekites? And God told him to go, pursue after them. And then he told him that they would recover every person, every wife, every child, everyone that had been taken captive. David found from the Lord the assurance of the victory that he sought. And so he assembled the men together, but a third of his army, 200 of the 600 that he had, were unable to go because they had grieved themselves to the point where they were without strength and power. They would be no good to anybody on the battlefield, in other words. David went. He caught up with them. He rescued the people. He spoiled the Amalekites. And a great victory was secured. Really, if you think about it, just about everything that Jesus said to the disciples was designed to renew their minds. You remember in Mark chapter 11, it tells us the story of Jesus cursing the fig tree and the next morning they came by and the fig tree was dried up from the roots. Jesus, uh, Peter called it into, into Jesus' attention and Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto thee that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. When Jesus was talking about speaking to the mountain, that implanted a seed, a new picture in the disciples' minds. Everything about the Word of God is designed to give you a picture of taking part in and, and taking hold of whatever promise is being talked about. You remember when Jesus sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee and he stayed back to pray and in the middle of the night he came to them walking on the water Peter, impulsively but daringly, said to Jesus, if it's really you, have me come to you on the water. And Jesus, who never tried to keep the disciples out of the experience of the Word of God, simply said, come. Now, when Jesus told Peter to come, Peter immediately saw himself walking on the water. That was the purpose for Jesus saying the word. Peter knew he couldn't walk on the water without Jesus' help. And he knew that the greatest help, the greatest power that Jesus operated in was the word of God. So when Jesus said, come, it planted a mental image in Peter's mind and Peter climbed down out of the ship and walked on the water to go to Jesus. 
when a mighty miracle was done. But it really didn't have a purpose other than allowing Peter to experience walking on the water, the miraculous. But it says that Peter changed the, changed the picture in his head. When he saw the wind boisterous, and he saw how high the waves were. It says he began to be afraid and he began to sink. Now, folks, if Peter, no matter how hard the wind was blowing, no matter how high the waves were, if Peter had kept the same picture of walking on the water to go to Jesus, if he had kept that picture foremost in his thinking and refused to allow the picture of him sinking because of the wind and the waves, no matter how high the waves were, no matter how strong the winds blew, he would have made it all the way to Jesus. But he allowed that picture to be replaced with a picture of him sinking. And so he cried out to Jesus, Lord, help me. Jesus reached out and took his hand, lifted him up, and they walked on the water to the ship and Jesus asked him one simple, critical question. He said, why did you doubt? Now, folks, if we take that on principle, that means no matter what the circumstances are that come against us in this life, no matter how violent, no matter how disruptive the circumstances are, we are instructed, commanded, really, to think on what the Word says, to not allow the devil to change the picture in our heads. Now, everybody, as Romans 12 says, verse 2, be not conformed to this world. Everybody starts off with being conformed to the world because without God... There is no knowledge of the importance of what we think or what we say. But once we come into the body of Christ, once we come into the family of God, study of his word brings us to the realization, the reality, that we are to speak the word of God and so, by so doing, we planted it as a seed in our hearts, our spirits, and to remind, renew our minds to the results the Word of God says it brings. In Mark chapter 4, it tells us about Jesus sowing, uh, preaching on the parable of the sower, sowing the Word. And it says, Jesus told them, that the kingdom of God is like a seed that when it's planted and when it's watered, it's planted by the word as we speak it into our lives. It's watered by the word as we speak it into our lives. And it grows up and results in miraculous things that God has promised us 
from his word. After that, it tells us in Mark chapter 4, about verse 35, that Jesus says to them, let's go to the other side of the of the lake that they're ministering near. And so they go across the lake and Jesus goes into the back part of the ship and lays down and falls asleep. And there was a great storm of wind that arose and the disciples went back to wake Jesus up by saying, Lord, how can you sleep? We're all going to die. And Jesus stood up and rebuked the wind, and it became calm. And he asked them, why did you doubt? Now, folks, what were they doubting? What was it Jesus was getting known to them about? When Jesus said, let's go to the other side, that was sufficient for them to see themselves arriving on the other side. But again, the circumstances, in this case a storm, robbed them of God's greatest blessing. Psalm 119, verse 165, says, Great peace have they that love thy law. Great peace have they that love the word of God, and nothing shall offend them. You may remember that one of the types of ground turns loose of the word of God in the parable of Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower sowing the word, when affliction or persecution arises, immediately they got offended. God's word is our picture book. And the pictures that it shows us is victory in every area of life. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought to, into obedience of Christ. Notice in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We know a little bit about prayer, and we know a little bit about supplication. But what in the world would cause you to give thanks for what you've asked God for when you don't yet see it? Well, the things that we're praying about, 
the things that replace the picture of worry or the cares of this world. Those are pictures that are planted by God's word as we speak them. And notice what it does. It brings about the peace of God into your life. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. That means we see the answer. It means we see the picture of victory. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You don't have to understand it, folks. One of the things that Jesus said about in Mark chapter 4, talking about sowing the word of God into your life. It says the kingdom of God is like planting seed in the ground. Day and night, it's growing up, it's developing roots and growing up into your life. Even though Jesus said he knoweth not how. We don't have to have everything figured out for God's word to work. It's designed to work. And if we'll follow the rules of faith, it'll work every time. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How is the word of God going to keep our hearts and minds? Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and be any praise, think on these things. He gives you the list of what to think about. Now, some things you could think about might meet the criteria for a couple of these, but not necessarily everything. But he says, think about things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, things of virtue and things of praise. Those are the things that we're supposed to think of. In other words, that's what we're supposed to renew our mind to. Now, folks, I would submit to you that there's only one thing in this world, in this life, that meets all of those criteria, and that's God's Word. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 14, Paul is talking about putting on the new man, and above all these things, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. It's your decision, it's your call. But God's recommendation is to let the peace of God rule in your heart to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Folks, the only way you can be thankful is to see the, yourself with the answer or the victory. That's where thanksgiving comes from. You may look at certain areas of your life and say, well, what do I have to be thankful for? You may be going through a hard place, experience difficulty. Well, if you found the word that covers your case, if you found the word that's the answer 
to this area of affliction or, or persecution or offense. Once you find that and you pray it or speak it into your life, then you have a picture of victory. When the Bible says, hold fast the profession of your faith, he's talking about hold fast the truth, the confession of the truth of God's word because that creates that picture of victory. And don't turn loose of the picture of victory no matter what happens. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved only by what I believe. What did he believe? He believed in victory through the word of God. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts through which you are also called into one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of, God, the word of Christ dwell in you richly. One of the things that I had to deal with when I first went to Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1980, I saw these things and heard these things preached or taught, and I knew that I needed to change the songs that were going on in my head. I had a great big collection of, I don't know what you call them anymore, the great big records. I had a stereo system that I'd bought on credit. Had to be credit because I didn't have anything. And it was just about to be repossessed But I would hear these songs, spiritual songs, or scripture songs that certain people would play. And after hearing some of these things, I would revert back to secular songs that I was familiar with and had been familiar with for a long time. And so for me, it became a matter of principle. And I knew what was necessary for me. I'm not telling you that you should do anything like this. But what was necessary for me, I had to get rid of all those albums. And so I did. Took them to the dumpster. Threw them all out. Now I had nothing else to listen to. So I began to train myself in some of these scripture songs. There were some people at the time that God was using in giving spiritual songs, scripture songs to. And as much as I was able, I would just sing those songs on purpose. And it came, it took a while, took a couple of months, but it came to the place where I was no longer singing the secular songs 
But I, those scripture songs began to get down on the inside of me. That was in mid-1980. And here for the last 40-something years, I've filled my heart with these scripture songs, spiritual songs. And now sometimes the Lord speaks to me with those songs. If I'm in a situation where I hear some of the songs that I used to know, I may still have a remembrance of what those songs say. And every now and then, one of those songs will try to get a hold of me. And when I realize it for what it is, I turn it around and start singing those other songs. I start singing those David Ingalls songs. Things that I put in my heart 40 years ago. Because they're scripture songs. They never go out of style with me. And they're always there to feed my inner man And as I said, sometimes God uses those songs to direct me. About a month ago, he used a current song, Christian song, to direct me. I think the name of the, the song is The Goodness of God. And a part of the song says, all my life he has been faithful. All my life he has been so, so good. With every breath I'm able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Now, the rest of the song isn't much, but that little chorus is outstanding. And it's what God used to speak to me about his faithfulness. God never has let us down, folks. He never will. No matter how long something's been going on, no matter the circumstances surrounding it, no matter what it looks like or no matter what it makes us feel, God's faithfulness will always come through. Finally, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This word wiles, it means traveling over. It literally says that the devil has only one road that he travels. One road that he travels. That, that, travel, that road that he travels is deceit. But the Bible tells us, the Holy Spirit is telling us that the way that we're able to stand against the traveling, the deceitful traveling of the devil is to put on the whole armor of God. Now, what is the armor of God? The armor of God is the word of God illustrated by different pieces of the Roman soldier's army. 
or the Roman armies armor but it's really Paul saying confess to yourself speak about who you are speak about what God has made you and provided for you through his word For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the high or heavenly places. Folks, our spiritual warfare is to guard ourselves against the attack of the devil. The road of deceit or deceitfulness that he travels. Wherefore, verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. The word of God is truth. So we're protected by knowing the truth of God's word and having on the breastplate of righteousness, knowing who you've been made by Christ Jesus in the shedding of his blood and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace this gospel of peace is what we've been talking about. Isaiah 26, 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That creates a picture of the devil's arrows, flaming arrows not getting through. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It paints the picture that the Word of God is a sword. And every time we speak the Word of God, every time we confess or maintain our confession to the victory that the Word of God affords us, it's like taking a swing at the devil with a double-edged sword. Paul uses a very creative illustration knowing full well that the people that are going to read this letter knows that he's in captivity. He's been taken captive and assigned a Roman soldier guard. And just as the armor of the Roman army might cause fear to dwell in somebody's heart when we realize that we have spiritual weapons that are more effective, more powerful than even the Roman soldier's armor. It paints a picture of victory. Paul is saying he's got victory even though he's got this Roman soldier sometimes chained to arm in arm or wrist by wrist. Paul's saying this is how you maintain the victory even when times are tough. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil's lies the devil's deceit. 
Over and over again, we've got examples in the scripture where God's word comes and changes the picture. In Genesis chapter 17 and 18, it tells us about Abraham and Sarah. It's been 20 some odd years, 24 years, I think, since God first promised Abraham a child. And Abraham's pretty much given up on that part of the promise because neither his or Sarah's body is functioning sexually so that they could get pregnant. And so God comes down in chapter 17 and talks to Abraham. He changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of, of nations. And by changing his name, every time that his name is called, it reinforces the picture, the mental image of God's promise of a child to him. Some months later, God comes back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. And he asks where Sarah is. And Abraham says she's doing the women's work. And God changes her name from Sarai to Sarah. Which has to do with the promise of a child as well. Now Abraham went from several months ago to laughing when God said that he was going to fulfill the promise of Isaac being born. And when Abraham, when God appears to Abraham again, some six months later, he's not laughing anymore. But Sarah is laughing. And the Lord asked Abraham the question, why did she laugh? He knows she's listening in. And then he asked a question, a very simple question. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, why would he say that? Why would he ask that question? Because he's trying to change the picture in her head. See, the picture she has is a picture of failure, never being able to bear a child. But when God asks the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? That changes everything. She changes from her position of unbelief to a position of faith and, and in such a manner that she's part of the hero's hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible tells us also of a couple of blind men that were seeking healing for, from Jesus and Jesus and his company w walks by them on the road where they are and they're on their way to a certain place. And when they reach that place, the two blind men who are following after the company that passed them 
come to where Jesus is. And Jesus asked him a question. He said, believe you that I'm able to do this? Now remember in Matthew chapter 8, it tells us about the leper who comes to Jesus and said, Master, I believe you can heal me if you will. And Jesus is instantly moved with compassion and reaches out his hand toward him and says, I will be thou clean. Now in this case, these two blind men are posed a question about his ability. Believe ye that I'm able to do this. Why is he trying to, why is he asking him about what do they believe about his ability? He seems to be of the opinion or know something by the Spirit of God that they've got the wrong picture on the inside. Blindness would certainly be incurable. They weren't blind because of sickness or disease. And so the power necessary to change something in their flesh would be a big step of faith for anybody. So when he asks him, Are you, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He says, yes, Lord. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Jesus changes the picture on the inside of him. Jesus changes the picture for the two blind men. Probably from a position not of defeat, but just not knowing for sure what to expect. But when they answered him, yes, Lord, we do believe that. That put the picture of the success and victory into their minds. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusts in thee. Folks, God is faithful. He watches over his word to perform it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one word of his, of his shall fail to come to pass. God's word is truth, and he's a reliable God to bring his word to pass in your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for watching over your word to perform it. Thank you, Father that you are so faithful. Father, I pray that you would quicken every person in this room and every person that's watching us by some other means. I would ask you, Father, by the Holy Spirit to point out the strongholds that the devil has established in our lives. And that by changing the mental picture into a picture of victory identified and revealed by your word, we thank you, Father, for bringing it to pass. We attend unto your words, Lord. We incline our ears to your sayings. We let them not depart from our eyes. We keep them in the midst of our hearts. 
for your word is life unto us because we found it and it's health to all our flesh. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. We love you.